What up, doe? You are tuning in to The Green Vaccine, providing sun salutations for all you fun pals of the nation. I'm your host, Dan Finn, and we were just juking out to some gnarly D&B mixes provided by our resident DJ, DJ Kilikov. Our top story for tonight is on the topic of universal basic income. The Indian government is about to endorse giving all its citizens free money. Do I have your intention with that? It's like Bernie Sanders saying that that Americans are working longer hours for lower wages. We need to cut tuition for all public universities. And then people say, oh, well, you just want free college, just like the Indians want free money. Well, the idea behind universal basic income is simple. A regular state payment made to all citizens or one variation specifies adults, regardless of working status. So it's unconditional pay, regardless of gigs that you do or other jobs that you find. Advocates say it would provide a vital safety net for all citizens and remove inefficient benefit systems currently in place. Critics say it would remove the incentive for citizens to work and prove to be wildly expensive. So... You have this clash between the inefficient welfare system we currently have that keeps unemployed, impoverished citizens in a catch-22 where they don't want to look for work because the moment they get a job, they will lose their daily payments from the welfare system. But they may find that the job isn't what they're looking for. They find unsatisfaction in the pay or the job experience. So people just find it better to just stay home and receive that monthly check from Uncle Sam or whatever government institution, wherever or around the world, because this concept is being schemed and, and trialed throughout the entire world. We have trials that have already taken place in Uganda and Brazil and most notably India, and there have been referendums and incoming uh, policy trials about to take place in Finland and Scotland, and a referendum last year happened in Switzerland. So in India, there were three major pilot schemes that uh, one of the first ones happened in 2010, and it was in the Madhya Pradesh region that was in the West Delhi area, and it's where every man, woman, and child across eight villages received a modest basic income for 18 months and standing reports said that welfare improved dramatically in the villages particularly particularly in nutrition among the children health care sanitation and school attendance and performance it came with unexpected results as it enabled people to have a sense of control they pooled some of the money to pay down their debts they increased decisions on escaping from debt bondage women developed their own capacity to make their own decision about their own lives the general tenor of all these communities was remarkably positive so in light of these social experiments in the past in the indian government will be coming out with a big report uh, establishing their stance on universal basic income for possibly the whole country by January 31st, 2017. In Finland, 
2,000 people will receive 560 euros or $600 every month for two years without having to report whether they are seeking employment or how they are spending the money. And this will be deducted from any benefits they are already receiving. This would be an attempt to simplify the welfare system. There have already been successful pilot schemes in Africa and India, and a basic income system is being considered uh, elsewhere, as I, as I previously mentioned. Uh, persistent issues with welfare around the world is an in inequality trap that creates uh, systems that discontinue benefits for those who work low-wage jobs, and this hampers incentives to work. And so the, nobody is really finding solutions to getting people out of poverty. They, so this is something radical, as some conservatives may call it, but this is, in a nutshell, an attempt to end the catch-22 of many remaining in poverty and receiving aid from the government. Many want to work but are afraid that they will, gain a, uh, they will not gain a substantial amount to live off of and will otherwise lose their financial support at the first sign of independence. So Scotland will also be implementing a universal basic income. It's a pilot program where they'll be trying it out in Fife and Glasgow. And Glasgow has a third of their population, of their children's population, in poverty. Uh, Glasgow is having uh, job insecurity, and it's a, it's a stagnant uh, standard of living. And this kind of condition of, of urban regions brings a rise for right-wing populism, such as Donald Trump or Brexit or um, who's the woman running in France? I don't remember, but you know Austria also had a takeover, and that that is from this this unsatisfaction with with the current state of our economy. So the as Einstein said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. We're hard pressing these people in poverty with tough love and trying to give them increments with this welfare system and having this really complicated bureaucracy with all these qualifying systems, such as I hear in America, you can't receive food stamps if you have uh, two cars. I think if you have one car, or maybe even if you have one car. I don't know, because it's so complicated. I believe it's even different for different states. That's just such a crazy concept that if you, if you have too much material possessions or if you have too much wealth on paper as uh, on the surface you are disqualified from receiving assistance even though you could probably desperately need that basic income that is being uh, proposed throughout the throughout the world uh, my final note that I would like to say is that I was also in Switzerland on their referendum for a uh, countrywide universal basic income and it was a really radical step it, and people were uh, advertising for it but when I was walking around Zurich which is one of the wealthiest cities in the world and Switzerland has a very high standard of living so uh, it's not like how you would imagine other European countries but what I, I saw this propaganda for anti UBI uh, the UBI vote the and it was it showed a hammer striking down on these gears 
and it had this connotation that this would decimate production for the city and or and the country and it would ruin efficiency but as you see these these results from india you find that people are actually liberated and and feel more free to go out and provide for the community and provide for uh things outside of their home and their domicile uh it's hard for people to go out and volunteer because they're working two three jobs and just trying to pay the bills and uh, fill the table with bread and butter so maybe if people aren't stressing so much to just survive and making bill to bill then i think we would have a better world to live in so we'll be right back with some environmental news. DJ Killer Kev is going to take you back. So get up, don't slack, and attack, attack, attack.
and we're back. And I'm here to tell you there's one country that is emerging that is just killing the game. And that is India. Right next to, well, when I say next to, I mean 100 kilometers away. So that's a pretty good distance, but not that far away. Uh, remember in our previous episode where I mentioned India just accomplished building the world's biggest solar plant? Well, 100 kilometers away from that is a industrial plant that has a coal boiler that has a system that collects the CO2 smoke from that coal boiler, from that chemical plant, and it will incorporate a chemical mist where it separates the CO2 and it mixes it with this rock salt ammonia and other steam from the coal boiler and it will create baking soda. Here's how it works. The plant operates a coal-fired boiler to make steam for its chemical operations. CO2 emissions from the boiler's chimney are stripped out by a fine mist of a new patented chemical. A stream of CO2 is then fed into the chemicals plant as an ingredient for baking soda and other compounds with many uses, including the manufacturing of glass, detergents, and sweeteners. This results in zero emissions, folks zero emissions. The owner of the chemicals plant, Ramachandran Gopalan, told a BBC Radio 4 documentary, I am a businessman. I never thought about saving the planet. I needed a reliable stream of CO2, and this was the best way of getting it. He says his operation has now almost zero emissions. He hopes soon to install a second coal boiler to make more CO2 to synthesize fertilizer. The chemical used in stripping the CO2 from the flue gas was invented by two young Indian chemists. They failed to raise the Indian finance to develop it, but their firm, Carbon Clean Solutions, working with the Institute of Chemical Technology at Mumbai and Imperial College in London, got backing from the UK's entrepreneur support scheme. Their technique uses a form of salt to bond with the CO2 molecules in the boiler chimney. The firm says it's more efficient than typical amine compounds used for the purpose. This is fantastic. It just it, it just gives me a lot of hope and faith that we are coming up with new ways to address these concerns for greenhouse gases and CO2 emissions. There's always a new way that we can re-harness this, this excess of output, this waste output that we're putting out into the planet. And so... Maybe we'll find other ways to take care and treat or alternatively recycle uh, radioactive water from Fukushima. Or maybe I'm just uh, getting too hopeful now. On the other side of the Asian continent, China's largest freshwater lake is shrinking. And this is probably attributed to these dams and other projects that have been done around it. Um, looking at the, these photos... Uh, off the Huffington Post, and it's it's stunning to see uh, cows grazing where the bottom of the lake used to be. I, I see these photos of these beached freights with no water in sight whatsoever. This this lake is huge, guys. It's the size of Rhode Island. So just imagine all your friends in Rhode Island. That is a Chinese lake, uh, uh, Poyang Lake. Uh, it, it has a low water season. You know, so it usually will will recede with water, but but lately it's 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 become drier and drier, and it's devastating ecosystems. And I think it's really 
affecting the uh, the natural economy, the local economy there. It has irreversible ecological damage. Uh, the Ministry of the Environment in China is working on building a dam to try and contain water. It's uh, it's just a vicious cycle of of previous dam projects are leading to this drought, this excessive drought. But you have no idea of by creating another dam project, how are you going to affect other water uh, aquifers? And so environmentalists are trying to stop uh, this this new dam that is trying to contain water in the area. So it's just it's just a crazy vicious cycle. We went from catch twenty two to vicious cycles. It's uh there's a difference with it though. My one time a professor of mine made me look up the difference. So there's you know despite all of this uh, stress about uh, with Makaresh and the coming of parties for trying to figure out how to implement policies to fulfill the Paris agreements. You have some of the biggest outpoured, outputters of carbon emissions, some of the biggest polluters, some of the worst sanitation uh, records. They, they're coming together and they're figuring out ways, and some of them are radical, but they are figuring out ways and they're finding resources and finances to to support and fund these projects that are promising for neutralizing the amount of waste that we are putting out into our ecosystem. So I was in a state of kind of existential panic or dread, but I think I think we're going to be all right, guys. So let's just open our eyes and be surprised at what can happen in the enterprise. I think it's I think it's uh important to move forward despite all this and just be open minded to what happens because the moment we close off other people's proposals, I think we'll miss out on some golden opportunities that could actually fix the very problems that we've been stressing about. So that'll wrap up our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really do appreciate it, and we really hope that you're enjoying our stories and our music. I'm Dan Finn, and you're going to listen to some more DMV by DJ Kilikev. That was the green vaccine. <laughs>